Welcome to episode 437 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, March 14th. I'm your host, Paul Sporer, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how's it going? Well, I'm doing a lot better than the Seattle Mariners right now, uh, who are currently losing 24-3 to in the sixth inning out in a, a uh, rather normal Cactus League game. I guess it, is, this used to be the norm, but 24-3. to Is this one of those things where each year we forget that this happens a handful of times? Because we've seen, my, my point where I'm getting is, we've seen a, a handful of these scores this year. Just these obscenely lopsided ones or where both teams are in double digits, sky high. Is it a situation where it does happen every year and we just happen to recall them, but we don't really remember them year to year, so we, we act like they're different? Or is there, are there more of these this year than in previous years? I think it's more the former. It's just one of those, you look at it, uh, Iwakuma got blasted out of the gate, and then a bunch of other guys' names I really don't recognize who aren't really going to be a factor mm-hmm. the rest of this year. They also got blasted. But uh, Junior Guerra looked really good uh, against it, so who knows what's happening. It's just spring training. Really, as we'll get to in a little bit, It all health, that's all we care about right care now. About. Just stay healthy. We're talking about the guys on the fringe now. Are they going to make a roster spot? Are they not? But, I mean... Every day something else happens. We'll talk about a few of them let's, today. Yeah, let's let's just get into it uh, because we're going to talk about your your NFBC 12 team draft uh, from Sunday, and we're recording this on Monday. But I, I've already had an episode with Eno breaking down his AL labor draft, so this is going to go out Tuesday morning. Um, and, and a cold Monday, by the way. Very cold Monday, from what I'm expecting in mid March over here at least. And so if you hear my heater in the background, it's because I'm freezing. Uh, now, freezing for me is a lot different than the rest of the country. It's probably somewhere in the 60s, and uh, that's that's very cold. I don't I don't like it. And it was like 40 something, 30 something last night. I, well, aren't we supposed to be in spring? It's spring training. You would What's think with the weather. You and wouldn't then, like it. you wouldn't like it here. We had snow yesterday here in Charlotte. We had three inches, but then the sun came out and melted it all away by four o'clock. Oh, wow. uh, then it was sunny today, and now it's just raining, and it's thirty-eight and raining outside. That's it's like disgusting. This is the worst. I cannot stand these types of days. That just you know, get a little colder and snow or get a little warmer but when it's 38 and cold and your dogs are looking at you like man i want to go outside and you know go for a go for a trot no, no not doing it no not at all yeah i my patience wears thin with charlotte when um and when it's cold and she's trying to eat every little blade of grass i'm like eat the blades of grass another day um well, but yeah, I go golfing in this cold weather. I have to go uh, golfing on Wednesday uh, in Georgia, and it's supposed to be like 40 degrees when we tee off. Hopefully the snow clears up before we get make it up to New York uh, the weekend after this upcoming one. Let's talk about the uh, the disappointment. There's been two injuries and in, in one bit of signing news. The disappointment is, of course, Ian Desmond break, fracturing his hand, getting hit by a pitch. You know, it, it's Wait. bad enough. That it ha- that it's on our team. I, I, yeah, whose labor team is he on? Oh he, yeah, ours. He's on ours. So we got the two big bits of bad news um, outside of Alex Reyes. Since Alex Reyes, David Price is concerned. Ian Desmond, our third round pick, our fourth round pick. But I just love Ian Desmond either way too. So I'm mad about this in general, just because I was expecting a very big season from. Doesn't mean he can't, but he's probably going to miss what a month. At least. Like, we don't really know right now. That's another thing, too. It's up in the air. We don't even know. He got the surgery today. Uh, I think some stuff has to get, uh, has to get going before, before we really know what, what's going on. Right. But, uh, this feels like at least a month. 
Oh, at least. I mean, I was reading something earlier from uh, Thomas Harding. I, I believe he's uh, at Purple Row on Twitter, uh, one of the beat writers. And he made mention of the fact that when Mark Reynolds got his hand broken, he had surgery in mid-September and wasn't able to swing a bat until December. Now, it wasn't the same metatarsal. I forget which one's foot and which one hand, carpal, metacarpal. So it wasn't the same metacarpal. Uh, but it was one of them. So who knows if it's going to be that long. If we think back to some of the, the infamous ones where Jeff Bagwell had his hand broken, where, you know, it ended his season and some of those happened in, you know, in August. So that in the middle of August, I think August 11th, it was like a same date almost in a consecutive year, something like that happened for him. My expectation is he's not going to have an at bat for our labor team until around Memorial Day. Maybe I'm being too cautious on this. But that's where I'm kind of setting my expectation. If he gets back by Mother's Day, great. But I would expect him to miss at least six weeks of the regular season. Not just six weeks of action, six weeks of the regular season, which is still three weeks away. That's brutal. That is, uh, that's very unfortunate. And I, I have a hard time disagreeing. And Desmond look, looks like he's going to be down for a while. You really got to move him down your board, uh, if you're building in a month, month and a half of off time. Let's go, go to the other injury. I should put the injuries in order and then the signing afterwards. Anthony Descofani has been diagnosed with a UCL sprain, uh, which, you know, it isn't the end of the world yet. Sure it is. Uh, <laughs> well, isn't it the same situation as like a Masahiro Tanaka or? Uh, I guess. Say it with me, kids. A sprain is a tear. Uh, and, and that's, that's, <laughs> that's the big deal is that a sprain is a tear. But in the other, on the other side, a lot of guys are working with UCL sprains. We don't really know how many, but a lot are. That said, I wasn't all that interested in Descofani this year anyway. I know he's a guy that, that uh, Eno's been in on and, we, and we've talked about in the past. I'm just not seeing a whole lot of like surplus value in his draft stock is really what it is. It's not that I don't think he can be a capable starter, but you take last year and it was a solid enough season, but it was still pretty bland. And if you kind of extrapolate that out over the course of 30 starts again, because he only made 20 last year, um, you're going to probably have to bump the ERA a little bit, maybe bump the whip a tick or two. And what do you got? You got a mid threes, 125 whip with a league average strikeout rate. When a, a UCL sprain, which as you say, sprains are tears, I'm out. I, I'm pretty sure Homer Bailey started out with a UCL sprain too before he went down. Um, you know, he went down. When I'm looking back at a, a thing for Homer Bailey, it does not appear the injury is at all related to the right elbow flexor mass injury. You know, that was part of the issue there with him too. Um, but no, I'm out on Descalfani too. It's just unfortunate, but this is the time of year where we have where we have the uh, that's the danger zone. You look at all the uh, the research that Joe Regali's done. Uh, hopefully, I'm pronouncing Joe's last name right. But he's looked at this this March, April, May, uh, the first three months of, of February, March, April, that kind of thing. That's the danger zone. That's where a lot of these injuries tend to happen uh, for whatever reason. Maybe it's the layoff in the off season or whatever. But once you get through this time of year, it tends to be a little safer. But this is where a majority of those things come along. And again, back to my earlier point, it's spring training. Please stay healthy. Exactly. That's really the biggest factor here outside of any sort of results um, or, or, or movement on the leaderboards. You just want guys to, to, to be upright and, and at feel close to uh, entire health when they reach opening day. A uh, bit of happy news before we get into your draft. Pedro Alvarez signs back with Baltimore. It's a minor league deal. 
I mean, the dude's still raked, right? He's, uh, it's so crazy how the power market just was awful this year. Evaporated. It completely evaporated. It was because there was uh, much, a lot more supply than there was demand factored in with the fact that it's just, it's becoming uh, less valuable to teams. In general, uh, those, those factors all just conspired to make things like this happen. At age 30, coming off of a 115 OPS plus, in 367, uh, excuse me, 376 plate appearances, Pedro Alvarez should be getting a major league deal, but he's not. I mean, this is a guy who can be on a strong side platoon. I'm sure he'll stick around enough and, and, and do some things. I like him in AL only because he's probably going to go a buck or two, but it's kind of crazy that he got a minor league deal only. It is kind of surprising, even when you go back and look at uh, look at Chris Carter going to the Yankees. I mean, if anything, don't you want to accentuate your left-handed bats? I know Chris Carter's got a ton of power and can hit him in any park, uh-huh. but yeah, that one kind of made sense. Uh, there with 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 Alvarez, he, you know, he can't play defense. They're talking about using him as an outfielder here, so he's down in the camp right now playing outfield. That to me is laughable. Uh, if if you're going to put him on the Baltimore roster, out there though. Yeah, but that's where he has to. He doesn't necessarily have to at an American true. League team. That's uh, but that's where that's why he's on a minor league deal because all he does is has you know he's got the one trick on offense and he cannot play in the field. It's just it's not a good trick, situation. Good it is a really trick. good trick and in a in a in a strong side of a platoon. But you know, there's a lot of teams out there. I mean, Toronto. Why don't you just cut Justin Smoke and do a Steve Pierce and and Pedro Alvarez platoon situation? Ooh, that would be filthy. Yeah, yeah they just, like uh, Smoke. I don't know. Uh, Eno and I, man, look at you blasting Eno's team again inadvertently. I cannot believe. Please don't you, blast this Twitter line. I cannot believe <laughs> what Twitter you continue profile. to say about Eno. It is absolutely ridiculous. Hashtag can't believe what Jason said about Eno. Um, but. No, they do. They are fascinated with with Justin Smoke. I get it though. That you could create some sort of super platoon. It is a congestion of corner DH guys though that they have in Baltimore, and that's why Pedro's playing time. While we're glad he's going back there, you and I love anybody that that gets to play in Camden. Uh, so while we're happy about that, I'm just not sure what else there is here uh, in terms of the playing time. Is he going to exceed 376 plate appearances nope. from last year? Probably not. He could play more games and get fewer plate appearances because he's playing halves of games and, and, and whatnot. So it's yeah, defense doesn't play. matter. Oh, defense doesn't matter in fantasy baseball, but it keeps you off the field in real baseball. And, and, and ultimately, and that's what's going to happen here. That's why it does matter, right? That's why those statements are almost conflicting because the, the performance of the defense – uh, on the high end won't glean any, won't gain you anything in fantasy except the security of playing time, which is, is something. So maybe we, we should stop saying the phrase where it doesn't matter. On the ends, it certainly does. I think Marcelo Zuna keeps at bats against righties. Uh, not only because he's just a promising player, but because the defense is going to be out there in the outfield with Yelich and Stanton and they want it. And I like guys like that. Kevin Kiermaier, a guy we like is, arguably the best center fielder in all of baseball. And as he kind of figures things out and learns how to be a better hitter, particularly against lefties, he's, his playing time is a thousand percent guaranteed. So it's the opposite case for Pedro Alvarez. And that's why he's on a minor league deal. AL only, but I still like him for a couple bucks there. Let's talk NFBC. This was your uh, beat Jason Collette league, right? Uh, 12 teams. Yes, it was. And you had the 10 pick hmm, familiar, uh, although that was a 15 team draft. And let's, before we get into the individual picks, 
what sort of game plan did you have? I know it's harder to make a concrete game plan in a draft because you don't know what's going to be available to you. But what were some uh, points that you had of emphasis going in? Uh, points of emphasis is I wanted to get Bryce Harper with the tenth pick. Um, sounds familiar. Yep. And then I wanted to I wanted to grab as much power. Now it's been two years since I didn't do an NFBC draft last year for whatever reason. I, I'm sure my job was extremely busy, not like it isn't right now. But I didn't do one last year, so this year I jumped back into the fold. So I wanted to make sure that I also got one of the tier one closers early on because I know how closers go in this, yep. and I wanted to make sure after you know after the first half of the draft I had at least six pitchers. So that was kind of my goal, and uh, and really not and and take and did, and really maybe reach for one guy, which is kind of what I did there uh, in that first half of the draft, and then in the back half you know try to fill in all the different holes. But I, I wanted to accentuate as much power and speed as I could in the first third of the draft. All right. Now let's look at how it played out. Bryce Harper goes nine. That sounds familiar too. So you took Trey Turner. Oh my God, a lot of familiarity here. Whoa, somebody just dropped something above us. Um, and then you went power focused and you got Josh Donaldson, Nelson Cruz. You did reach your six pitcher threshold in the first 15 rounds. Justin Verlander, Edwin Diaz, Kenta Maeda, David Robertson, James Paxson, and Jim Johnson. So not only did you get the six pitchers you wanted, but three established closers. Even if you believe that David Robertson's not going to be closing long in, in Chicago, a lot of people think it's because he's going to get traded, not so much because he's just going to lose the job. So you got three closers. Uh, we like Jim Johnson as well, and Edwin Diaz is a total stud. You got your ace in Verlander. You started to get back the speed that you uh, kind of – Pushed to the side for Donaldson and Cruz with Gregory Polanco, uh, some contribution from Ian Kinsler, Elvis Andrus, a staple on your teams this year, especially at the price that he's going. And then you kind of filled it around there. So the game plan of balance, offense, and at least six pitchers in the first half, that came to fruition. Uh, now let's talk about some individual picks and some of the thought process behind those. And let's start on offense with your number one pick, and then we'll kind of go by the position groupings. But let's talk about Trey Turner first. You now have two big shares. Um, that obviously is a clear signal as to how much you believe in Trey Turner. And, and where we differ, like uh, because obviously we took him in labor, and um, I think it's a situation that's, that's going to work well for us. But I think you and I actually have different valuations where you're higher because of his power. And I feel like he doesn't need to be a huge power source to still be the 10th pick for us. Um, tell us a little bit about why you think Trey Turner is going to carry – Big, uh, not big power, but relatively strong power for his position this year. No, I, I think he's a, a 15 to 18 home run guy. I mean, I know he hit the 13 in the shorter part of the season, but I think 15 to 18 is achievable for him. Uh, I just really think that the strong batting average, the high amount of runs that he should score at the top of that lineup, as well as the, the stolen bases is what puts him over the top for me. I, I didn't. Honestly, I didn't consider anybody else at that position. If I, it would seem rather hypocritical of me to say one thing in one draft and not being willing to go back to that same thing in Especially another one. So in the same I did. Scenario, uh, yeah, yeah, the exact same scenario where your key guy or your number one, we should say, uh, target at ten did not fall. Bryce Harper went directly before you as he did again. Us. And so then you just go with the same guy that, that you, you were. Oh, in love and this with. wasn't the first time. This wasn't the first time the guy I wanted went directly before me either. We'll, oh. we'll get into a little bit of that. But yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, Podhorzer wrote an article for the site yesterday and talked about where his valuations of Turner was. And with all of his projections, he has Turner seventh overall. So I'm like, you know, tenth overall in two different places. 
That works for me. That's nice. Uh, but the first three rounds went exactly the way I wanted them to. When it got to me, when I took Turner, I knew I wanted to go with more power on the backside of it. And then once Cabrera went, Donaldson was my next choice. So that's where I, I was hoping maybe Mickey could slide down a little bit. If he did, I was going to jump all over him. And then coming back, I was eyeballing Cruz the entire time. I, I didn't think of anything else. And uh, on, on pick four, when I ended up with the, the pitchers went in order, I would have taken Archer if he would have come back to me at, yep. at the third pick of the fourth round. When he didn't, I went with the next guy on the list, which was JV. And then, and then Cueto went right after him, who you probably had right there as well. Correct. Um, yeah, I, I I love the way this 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 draft sets up. I mean, obviously, it's twelve teamers, so we can't compare it directly to ours. Three fewer teams is completely different after that first round. But the, the setup is nice, so let, let's focus on the rest of that outfield because we've already talked about two pieces, Turner and Cruz. Uh, then Gregory Polanco, Dexter Fowler, Randall Grichuk, and then on the bench you have Mitch Hanniger, Leonis Martin, Corey Dickerson, and even Steve Pierce can play out there. I, I think even Kendris Morales qualifies, but I, I put him in your YouTube. Not when yet. I, when, oh, okay. Um, but I, I made I made your mock-up roster, and that's that, those are the ones I had. Turner, Cruz, Polanco, okay. Fowler, Grichuk. That's a hell of an outfield. I really like it. Was outfield a, a, a focus? It was. I mean, because I saw, I know in the American League only, especially the outfield wasn't terribly deep. In the National League, with the, it's, it's been a little deeper, but I knew I wanted to grab a lot of outfielders. So I, I took Polanco and I didn't, uh, you know, that part I had him on the downswing. So any of the guy, the outfielders who went after him, I did I wasn't thinking of. Cargo may have been the only other guy I stared there, but with Polanco in the 2020, uh, that was that was really my target uh, in that perspective. Then outfielders went on a run. Obviously, if you look down there in the 11th round, I lost Adam Eaton by one pick. That was one of the other snipes. I had that all queued up, ready to go, because, uh, again, putting my money where my mouth has been all off season, and then he went one pick before me. Uh, and so I lost that on that one. So then I looked at the outfielders that were remaining, and, and Kane went right after me. So I didn't really like where things were. I didn't want to reach for Benintendi at that point. Um, there was a Tomas Buxton Gomez bucket, and I said, you know what? Let me just grab another power guy. So I went with uh, Carlos Santana. Uh, it's going to hurt the average a little bit, but uh, that's where I took him. And then I picked up the speed that I was hoping to get with Eaton with the next pick uh, with Andrus. But outfield kept just slipping, and then finally Fowler was sitting around there for a while. And I said, well, I know he's going to get on base. I know he's going to run. I know he's going to score runs. I'll take him. And then I wanted another power guy, and Grichuk had the best power upside that was available. So I ended up with like three straight Cardinal picks at that point in the draft. Cause I took Adam Wainwright right after him. Yeah. Um, not yeah. by, you know, not by intention. Some other team took, I was laughing cause the team that was picking in front of me ended up with Drew Smiley, Blake Snell and Alex Cobb in three consecutive picks. I'm like, if anybody would have guessed, oh, that's Colette's team. Exactly. Um, it wasn't <laughs> scanning down the list. And it's funny because I was looking at that team originally and I was like, it, it definitely stood as it could have been your team. And then I got to the top of Harper and I was like, oh wait, wrong team. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's really funny. So I like the outfield you put together. I mentioned Kendris Morales at utility, uh, uh, beast. I think he's going to have a great season in Toronto. So let's focus on the infield, um, on the dirt first here and then we'll get to the catchers. Hanley at first, Ian Kinsler at second, Josh Donaldson at third. Andrus at short, and then Carlos Santana, Joe Panic, your corner and middle. Again, I really like what you did here. You've got some upside players. I do think that uh, Joe Panic can be a, a nice high batting average upside sort of player, but a lot of stability. 
You went for your upside mostly in the outfield, and you got your stability in the infield. Of course, they have to stay healthy. Everyone has to. The common caveat. But with Donaldson, Hanley, Kinsler, uh, Andrus, and Santana, those are guys that you could feel comfortable about what you're going to get from them. And they offer a little bit of everything. You got the, you got some of the speed. You got some of the power. It's it's really good on power. And even if it's not great on average with a few guys like uh, like Santana and and um, who am I thinking? Oh, Grichuk. That's from the outfield, though. Even though you have some some average deficiencies, you have guys that can supplement it. Namely, Joe Panic, who I think is going to be a big batting average boon for you. Yeah, I got to look at a few places because I put I could obviously move Turner around. What I did that's that true. that's that's where I I put Turner there, and that's why I ended up taking Hanniger late, and that that was one of the mistakes that I was kicking myself for because I I completely overlooked the fact that Logan Forsythe still was not off the board, and my and my love for Logan Forsythe oh. is you know knows knows no bounds, and so he ended up going a few picks later, and I was like. You idiot! That How did you stay. miss that one? Yeah, that had. To I was mad. I, I almost, I almost jammed one of my toes, kicking the kettlebell at my feet because I was like, "You stupid idiot!" Um, and so that's where. I, but I got hung up on position and, sh- and got distracted a little bit by a shiny new toy. Uh, yeah, I don't regret taking the player. I just regret taking him over who I uh, no, who yeah, was still there. Who was still Hanniger, there? And you probably, you maybe could have gotten Hanniger in the next round anyway. But Forsyth again. Forsyth went five picks later. Oh man. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I put Turner in the outfield. You're right. You can move him to middle, and then with your bench outfielders, jumps onto the onto the starting roster. So yeah, that's what I mean. I took some places there. I, I grabbed Dickerson for more power off the bench. I actually, and then the, the pick afterwards, Nate Jones went, and that's who I was debating there with my first reserve pick. It was okay. I own David Robertson. Do I go ahead and take Nate Jones here so I have an insurance policy plus a fourth closer? In hindsight. In hindsight, it made a lot of sense. I don't know why I talked myself out of it, but I talked myself out of it. And, uh, I, you know, that may come back to bite me, but then I, I do like getting panic late in the draft. Um, you know, Pierce was only in the queue and my internet went down for a little bit, so he oh. was drafted for me. And that's okay. I mean, I yeah, like him. Not bad. Uh, Bear Claw, uh, there, that's the, the other Nate Jones option. Not that I have AJ Ramos, but if I believe in the guy, that happens. And then I like getting Brandon Finnegan uh, and Matty Andres just as pitches to stream in based on matchups. Yes. I wasn't crazy. Starting pitching, I know that NFBC values starting pitching and it goes early, but a lot of my, I got sniped, sniped on Snell and I ended up with Ian Kennedy. Um, I took uh, Dylan well, Bundy as my SP6. I wasn't crazy about that. Go ahead. Let's hit on your catchers quick and then we'll dive uh, headfirst into the pitching. You did get Jan Gomes and Austin Hedges. Obviously, you weren't spending a whole lot on catcher. But how do you feel about some of the um, stuff that Hedges did last year, hit, hitting the ball in AAA? It was kind of his first big spike of offense. you think he's going to bring some of that to the big leagues for the Padres? They're going to give him the chance. I mean, getting back to our earlier point about Pedro Alvarez, defense keeps you on the field, and that's what's going to keep Hedges on the field. That's what he does. Uh, he can do that, so he'll get the opportunity to do that. When, when I was looking at catchers at that phase of the draft, yeah, I, I looked at catcher, looked at catcher. I put it off for a while because they just didn't like most of the options. And then I, I know I can, I knew I could get Gomes after the after the twenty first round. So I figured I'm gonna go ahead and wait and wait and wait and got him. And then uh, you know our, our our kicking boy Mike Zunino was down there, and I was like, now I've been down there, my batting average is already in terrible shape. Let's try to go. Let's you know I'll 
Spinnerbers, that's one of the beauties of the NFPC. You do not have to draft your active roster. You can get, as long as you come out of the draft with it, you're legal. So I've just waited until the reserves round to grab the, grab the catcher I like that had the, uh, that had, has some upside because the second catcher, if, if you're going to punt it like I did in a 12 team, it just, it's there. I mean, the, the, what kind of surprised me about catcher is some of them went early. I mean, Gary Sanchez and Buster Posey were gone by the third round. That to me in a 12 team mix is super early. Then you got Lou Corey was gone before the end, of, before the seventh round. Uh, you know, Real Muto went in the 11th. I'd eyeballed him. Grandal in the 12th. Uh, Wellington Castillo in the 14th. I'm just uh, staring down. Uh, so some of the catchers, Brian McCann went in the 16th. But you know, when, when Sanchez and Posey went early, I had actually contemplated on taking Sanchez. Um, I looked at him as I drew things out on paper in the fifth round, but then he goes three. I was like, okay. Um, cause, so that kind of went. So once that went, I figured, you know what? I'm going to end up. I, Gomes was always a guy that I wanted anyhow. It's just who, who am I going to play with the second catcher? Um, it's not pretty on paper, but you know, neither is you got to draft 24 catchers in this league and only eight of them are good. That's the thing. I mean, catcher, ugh, vomit. I'm just, I'm so, I'm so not. With taking catchers this year, and so maybe that's why it was smart for Eno to uh, to buy Gary Sanchez. By the way, he defended himself against your 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 Gary Sanchez dislike. So I shall have, listen. You'll have to listen to that episode because I thought it was interesting. Uh, let's talk about your pitching because I think it's a, it's it's interesting as well. We talked about Justin Verlander, Kent Maeda, David Robertson, James Paxton. Jim, well, let me say the starters in order first: Verlander, okay. Maeda, Paxton, Wainwright, Ian Kennedy, Dylan Bundy. And Brandon Finnegan. And then you got Jim Johnson and David Robertson. Right? Thank and you. Edwin Diaz. And, and Edwin then Diaz. Matt Andres. Matt yeah. Andres is also in that fold. Um, so I have 10 pitchers. Well, you actually have 11. You have Bears Club. I wasn't, oh, I, wasn't, yeah. I wasn't doing the uh, reserves there. But yeah, Diaz. Diaz. I forgot Diaz. I forgot. So uh, yeah, Diaz, Robertson, and Johnson for your closers. I like how the staff turned out. You 12-team league, not everyone can get three closers. You got three real closers. And so, again, if Robertson gets moved, he's just going to go to a better team. That's going to help things. Yeah, it's going to create an opening for somebody who has Nate Jones and, and bump off the person who has uh, Sean Kelly. But uh, I, I think it's going to be all right. I, I'm, I do think there is some risk with Robertson. I'm not going to say that I don't, but I don't think it's it's necessarily high. I don't have him. If I'm ranking closers from most likely to lose their job to lowest, he's he's 10 deep at least, I think, Uh David Robertson is so. I think you got three strong closers. You got an ace. You got some mid rotation guys. How'd you feel your pitching turned out? Uh, like I said, Verlander. Verlander was number two guy I had on my list as I put my plan together because I knew I wasn't taking a pitcher until the fourth. Yes. Uh, Diaz. Diaz. What happened with me there is Mark. By this point of the draft, Jansen was already off the board. Britton was off the board. Chapman was off the board, and then Mark Melanson went at the end of the fifth round. So I figured, okay, here I am coming back on the early part of round six. If I don't get one of these tier one guys, I'm going to be out of tier one on closers because we already have three of them gone, and I don't think that that tier is very heavy to begin with. I don't look at Melanson as a tier one guy. Uh, and so I went ahead and took Diaz. I was considering taking another starting pitcher there. Uh, I was looking at Carlos Martinez, who ended up going three picks later, but I, I, my concern was I was going to miss out because I've seen this happen in NFBC drafts before where I don't get in here and it goes away. Well, then after I took Diaz, O went, and then Osuna went. Uh, Kimbrell and Osuna also went. But then it got back to me, 
and Ken Giles was still there. So then I'm looking at Hanley or Ken Giles, and I looked at the team behind me and said, all right, he needs first base and closer. I already have a closer. He had not taken one yet. So I was going to take my risk and figure, okay, if he doesn't get it, and the other guy had already had a closer, so it was all about the team next to me and the thing. So I said, I'm going to take Hanley because at first base, you know, he was the he was the best guy on my board. Then it was a drop off after that. So I'm going to go ahead and, and we are we own him in labor as well. So I'm going to take him if Giles makes it back to me. I will take him if he doesn't make it back to me. I'm going to take another position player. Sure enough, Giles went with the very next pick, and then the guy who had a closer ended up taking Kelvin Herrera anyhow uh, to get his second closer. And then uh, then Gaddis went, who's somebody I was kind of looking at. And then I ended up with Kinsler, and I, he was to me he was the best compiler on the board at that point. I didn't think when I was looking across. I looked at. Okay, let's compile. I don't need to take my second closer now. I'll I'll see what happens on the way back. I was hoping Alex Colomay would make it back to me, but he went five picks, and uh, so then I went the best starting pitcher because I wasn't crazy about the the closing options for you know, Robertson. He was he's there, um, but at that point I figured if the guy was willing to wait this far for his the guy behind me was willing to wait this far for a closer. Maybe he's going to wait again. The other guy's already got two, so I don't need to worry about that. So I let Robertson go around the turn, mm-hmm. and then when he was there for me to come back to, I took him. I like it. I mean, I, I like the setup that you have here. I think this is a, a core that has uh, a real shot to compete. Obviously, any team is going to need in-season work. What do you think your biggest weakness is coming out of the draft? I mean, a couple of weaknesses. Batting average already mentioned. It's not It's not great. Um ERA is, is not if, if the ratios. When you look at, you know, you play around with the uh, with the totals. I'm not, you know, it has me a tenth in ERA, but the tenth ERA I'm at three point six, and if I look at uh, fourth place or fifth place is three point four. So there's some there's some uh, fudge factor in there. I'm fine with that. Uh, you know, WHIP I'm not I'm not terribly great at WHIP. I'm projected uh, one two four. But then third place, uh, well, fourth place is 1.19. So that's within a fudge factor as well. So batting average and the ratios, I'm not too strong on. But I think compiling wise, I did good to, to get my runs, uh, to get power, to get run production. I'm in uh, across the board there. I'm in the top four or five by projections in those spots. In some cases, I've got the, the, the best projected, uh, totals in that area. So, uh, overall, I, I like where I came out. Like I said, a few mistakes. Going after the shiny new toy, uh, and Hanager missing out in Forsyth, uh, you know, underestimating a little bit where the starting pitchers were going to go. I, 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 you know, I had Walker queued up. Walker went, uh, uh, before me. That's why I ended up with Wainwright. I really wanted Walker, uh, and Wainwright went. Not that I'm, I know you like Wayno a little better than I do. He's got some new pitch stuff going on this spring, but I'm just concerned about uh, how many innings can he give me. I, I wanted Blake Snell. I ended up with Ian Kennedy. I guess maybe this may be a good thing in hindsight because these rookies tend to so much volatility there, and I ended up with safe veterans. Yeah, you got some stability. Um, which is why I can see why you thought Team Nine was me because this 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 Team Ten that I've drafted is a lot more stable with veterans than it typically is for me. Um, but I have a lot of veterans. Bundy is an SP six. I don't know if he's going to give me enough innings in a twelve team mixed uh, and. With the you know with the with the cutter coming back into play, we'll see what where it goes. Yeah, he but had, I've got Brandon Finnegan as an insurance policy. Not that you know, he comes with his own flaws as well, but I have other options. But Paxton, Paxton, Bundy, and Finnegan give you some youth upside to kind of counterbalance a Wainwright, Kennedy, um, and even Jim Johnson. I know he's closer, but but you know more of that stable guy there. I I, I think you I think you're set up nicely here. I think you got a good balance of of youth 
and stability. Even like we talked with the offense early with Turner versus Donaldson and Cruz and Verlander as your ace, but you got Paxton. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think you got yourself a shot here. Of course, they're going to be gunning for you. You're going to have to work extra hard. You're going to have to attack that batting average. Um, if it looks like you got three legitimate, you know, if Robertson kind of comes back to his New York level and you've got three stud closers, maybe you feel like you can move one, uh, for some help, but I don't even know that you're going to have to go out and necessarily get counting category help. So maybe the batting average comes via some free agency fines. Um, and you know how it is. I always draft well and then I run the team crappy during the season. That's my problem. That I've got to be better. That's why I've, that's why I've, that's why I've reduced my number of leagues this yes, year. I keep reducing. So I don't have my, 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 uh, my focus too spread out. That's always been my problem. I tend to do well in drafts and then I get in the season and something happens. Well, I, I miss a few, you know, uh, move weeks and that's bad. You know, you can miss it because there's not an equal dispersal of talent every Sunday uh, on the wire. And so if you miss one of the good ones and you're like, oh, I'll make it up. No, you won't. You know, then you're not going to get the next J.D. Martinez. I know that's from a few years ago. I couldn't think of who broke out last year. I'm stupid. Um, but, you know, you can't miss things like that. you got to stay on top of everything. So I cut back on my workload as well. So I'm coming for you, fools. If you're in one of my leagues, watch out, man. I'm swinging. I did, have to, I did have to. Uh, one of the weird things in this, I don't know. I think everybody was in the room, but Alex Reyes was drafted in this league. Uh, Nate Eovaldi was drafted in this league. Oh, those Ian Desmond, Ian Desmond, and this was after the news came out because my draft started at 7 p.m. Eastern last night, and we knew about Ian Desmond going into it. Sure, he went in the fourth round. Yeah, see, that person didn't know. There's no he way he went four. He went four and eleven. But the rest of his, he had, he was in the room. I, you know, I'm looking. At the, I like the red. He made a lot of solid picks. Yeah, uh, so the rest just, of the he way, just, but he, yeah. he just didn't know like that because there's no way. There's no way, and if you're if you're drafting and you're being savvy and you're, and you're making good picks, that's just a you just miss the news, um, because you know on Sunday evening if you're watching WBC and you're not looking at the scroll or you just zoned in somewhere else, maybe it's family night on Sunday night, but right before right until the draft, he's like, okay, I'll be with the family, I'll eat, and then I go to go to the draft, you can miss it because that fourth yeah. round pick says miss. But uh, you know you you got some tough like scanning over the board, and I can include the picture with the show notes. You got some tough competition. Uh, the, these these people are ready to to tangle with you. Uh, there's a few players that, that that are in a lot of leagues. Team five, Derek, uh, I believe he's must see TV three fourteen on Twitter. He plays in a number of leagues. He's one of few. Um, you know, I uh, think team two is a regular player. Uh, team one is the fantasy addict on Twitter. Uh, team nine was somebody who introduced himself to me on Twitter after the draft. He didn't realize it was my draft until somebody, because how do you, how do you guys know each other? And somebody's like, oh, it's Colette's thing. He's like, oh crap, I didn't know. But then, you know, the way he and the guy on team 11 stole about seven or eight of the guys that I wanted. I feel like they listen to this podcast, so hi, fellas, or gals, or uh, at least one fella, maybe the hey, other clowns. one, I don't know who Walker is, but if worked. Walker is my friend, if my Walker is my friend from Kentucky, uh, I'm not buying your lunch again. You're going um, down. So. <laughs> Jason's going to swing on you fools. I got him. I got him, Jason. Don't worry. I'll tell him. Each so, time, uh, I see you, team one. I see you, team yeah. five. Team yeah, seven. I mentioned, I mentioned, let's see, he's the team nine snaked Harper, Eaton, uh, Matt Moore and actually, and Drew Smiley and Blake Snell. Like both times I ended up taking a pitcher because they grabbed the, they grabbed the guy that I was looking at. What's your problem? Or, nine. What's, 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 or, no, maybe I went with Kennedy just for the end. I think it was a matter of, um, 
I no, Walker. That's what it was. was Walker say, Walker went, and then I took Wainwright. So Wainwright, Walker, the team 11 got me on Walker, and then on the way back, Snell instead of Kennedy. That that little area there where, okay, so this, this is round 18, so yeah, it's coming back around. <laughs> and it starts with Ozuna, but then it goes Walker, your Wainwright, and then Smiley. So you wanted the guys on each bookend of your actual pick. It comes all the way back around. I don't know how interested you were in Nola, Nova, and Cotton. I think you're Nova. interested. In, yeah, I was Nova, interested in Nova. Nova. And I love Cotton. And then Richards, Pomeranth. But then Snell before your Kennedy pick. So it's like those two rounds were very Jason-y. Uh, yeah, 19 was, 19 nice. was tough for me to go through. Um, yeah. And then, you know, obviously 20 making the Hanniger pick instead of Forsyth, and I was still yelling at myself. Yeah. And then I had uh, – then I took Bundy thinking, okay, if I'm going to take the pitcher because I need a pitcher here and this is the guy that I like best with the most upside at this point because I didn't want to get, I didn't want to get stuck with Trevor Bauer, uh, and the ratio. So I'm like, let me go Bundy with upside and I'm going to take Manny Margot if he makes it back around. He went for the very next pick. So I'm like, okay, now it's time to do the catcher thing, I guess. Uh, so I, I went with Gomes. Uh, so I had something at catcher because at that point I'm, I, I had punted catcher long enough. I had, I think I was the last guy on the board and didn't have a catcher. Um, or in yeah, I, I needed to grab a catcher at that point, so that's where I went. So yeah, a couple times I got snaked uh, in the reserve rounds. Uh, it actually held up for me. I didn't get I didn't get snaked in reserve rounds by either one of those guys. But um, you know, Andrew Triggs was a guy I was looking at to grab. That's why I ended up with Barraclaw because uh, Triggs went. It was one of these. That's uh, right about when my internet had gone out, and I had to wait for it to get back up, and then. Uh, yeah, right. It's, it's no fun to have your your internet for suddenly st- lose connectivity. So I always um, gotta throw a few in the queue, y'all. Whenever you're on uh, an online yep. draft, just in case, even if you Put wouldn't necessarily take them there, at least there'll be players that you actually like. Even if it's your your Mitch Hanniger and Jason's internet goes out in the fifteenth round, do you really want Mitch Hanniger in the fifteenth? No, but at least you like Mitch Hanniger, and you might not like. Um, well, bad example for the 15th round because like Kevin Kiermaier went there and you could live with Calhoun. Like you might not like Hernan Perez who could have been the top guy on the queue. So always have a few in the queue. Jason, that's going to wrap it up. I think you got yourself a competing team here. We will keep up with this league. Uh, let us know when you're making moves. Obviously it's a no trade league being NFBC, but, uh, when, when you're making your waiver moves, I think I, I think I alluded to trading earlier, trading a closer. Not going to be able to do that. Uh, you're going to have to do everything on the wire, but that's another good thing about having three closers though. So you're not using fab currency in the closer market because that is a pain in the butt. So, I like it. It truly is. You I know like what? One of the hurt. things, I'm sorry. I just happened to think before I forget here. Uh, one of the things we should probably do moving forward on sun, since we tend to record on Sundays is, you know, not say, Hey, who let's, let's talk about who we picked up in our leagues, but just talk about guys we're looking at for pickups in general, because we're not post most of our leagues. We don't tend, you know, pickups are Sunday night. Uh, you know, now that I'm talking through this, maybe it's too late by that time, but, uh, are guys to keep an eye on because especially in FBC, the secret is getting the guy before he becomes rosterable. Well, maybe if you we could look at it, it's like, oh, hey. maybe we, maybe we move to Saturday night, Saturday night, Saturday morning. I don't know. Saturday uh, morning, the, Saturday morning. Some flexibility. Yeah. Some, uh, make, make it work for you all folks. You know what? Um, I just, that, I just yeah. trying to think some value of that. No, I think that that will actually work because part of the reason I couldn't really do Saturday mornings before is because I was doing my pitching value meter for Rotowire and I was usually finishing it in the morning, start at night, go to sleep, wake up, finish it, and then by the time the day starts and you got to do family stuff and I got to um, sit here and be a loser and that takes time. But now, without doing the Rotowire piece, 
maybe we start recording Sunday mornings during the season and it's just a, a free for all talk about news, obviously that would happen between right. Friday because I think Eno and I will be recording Thursday. So that for that Friday we'll be off. We'll talk about stuff there, but then we just talk about guy, players that we like, even if they're not the hottest pickups, like you said, or the point you were about to make before we do- dove into this is get them maybe a week before and we say, Hey, this pitcher is not going to go for 15 bucks on your fab this week. He's going to go for two, but he's on the rise because we saw a start that we liked, you know. And we, here's the thing, folks: it'd be great to get a to get a healthy sample of five Jarrell Cotton September starts before you say something and and want to dive in. That's not the game we play anymore. People pick up fast and make decisions later, and so we're going to try to give you stuff off of things that we're watching and we're seeing and you know oh i played this guy in dfs and so i watched his his eight at bats these last two days and i think this guy's coming through things like that i think would be a lot better value of a, of our original sunday podcast now moved to saturday morning so i think i think you did it jason you hit on something big we're pitching and that was yeah i mean if this doesn't work age. give us some feedback yeah, give us some feedback on that. I think we're trying to make this show productive. And if you're listening or, or worth your time, and if you're listening to it on Mondays, you know, what are you listening for? If, if your free agent process ends at noon on Monday, then okay, maybe you're getting some value out of it. But if, uh, if it's Sunday night, we've missed you. And, yeah. and if that applies to a majority of you folks that your free agent bid process is on Sunday nights, I believe that's what NFBC is. It is on Sunday Absolutely. nights. Um, you know, we want it to work for you guys. No, I, th- I think that that's, that's a great idea. And it will start like that, not until the season starts, of course, but that's exactly what we'll do. And we'll just bring to the table players that, that we're looking at and watching. We'll talk about the hot, you know, fab pickups too. I'm not, we're not going right. to ignore those, but, but part of the point will be going deeper and maybe hitting on some, on some players that you can get on the cheap before they actually pop. Right, and I had one more thing. Well, one more thing I wanted to raise uh, was somebody this week had asked about uh, asked about us doing uh, anything on 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 draft software or or different things uh, that you'd like to use for oh, drafts. Yeah, a tech. A yeah tech briefly, I can't. I cannot strongly recommend enough. I don't draft without draft software because I, I it's on my laptop as I travel around for work. When I when I make notes or observations, uh, I, I use the draft software because the spreadsheet just not good enough for me. Uh, I have used both the RotoWire software and RotoLab. I the, it basically comes down to a functionality thing for me. I think both are excellent pieces of software. The, the RotoWire one comes free with the RotoWire description. Uh, of subscription, the subscription is 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 dirt cheap. Um, help pay my bills. Uh, the Rotolab one you get as a discount if you are a Baseball HQ subscriber. You can do it without a subscription, but it is a little more costly. Um, for me, the functionality of the Rotolab software is better. Uh, but each of there's some things that one does that the other doesn't do. So I would uh, you can compare the two if you want. Um, but I prefer the Rotolab. You can edit your projections in both of them. But I can't draft software is something I personally cannot live without. That's draft or auction too, right? Correct. Yeah. It so. does. It does percentage value method. It does standard game points depending on which way you want to go. It's completely customizable. It adjusts to inflation if you're in the auction um, throughout. But it's just for. Do a do a functionality comparison. Um, hit me up offline if you, if you want to talk a little bit more about that. But that's my uh, suggestion. Those are my two favorite. I've used a bunch of them uh, in the past to try them out because I'm still looking for the perfect one. But right now, RotoWire is about as uh, the RotoLab one is about as perfect as it can be. The yeah. only thing, the only strike against it is you can't import 
projections that aren't baseball HQs. And I get it because uh, it's a long-term partnership. Yeah. So if you, you know, as you're working on your own, you want to upload it, you can't. You so can basically you download HQs, you can edit them, but you can't upload. And that's real. I, I mean, it's a small flaw, but that's a flaw. Sure. Uh, for me. Yeah, but no, it's, it's a great piece of software. Cause that, that would be, that'd be so cool if you could do that. But yeah, they, they want to focus on HQ. Uh, for right. obvious reasons, and they do good work. But if you can edit them, maybe if you had, you know, however person wanted to do it, maybe your 50 top players that you want to go in and make sure that those projections are closer to where you think, or if you got time to manually edit 100, 200, whatever, feel free. But uh, that's going to wrap us up. Great talking with you. Sorry we didn't get it out on Sunday night. But uh, don't forget, again, I want to reiterate, the change in time will not start until the season does. So I don't want someone next Saturday like, when's the pod coming out? It's not. Not until... April, but it will happen. Great idea, Jason. Great talking with you. Good luck with your team. Yep. Thanks. And uh, next week we record, and then we get a live one in two weeks. Yes. We'll be in New York together, so we can do some live stuff. Yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be great. All right. Talk to you later. All right, man. Bye.